Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. You found the place where we talk horses. I'm John Hare. And I'm Renee Hare, sitting in today because we are doing a hometown interview. This woman has been a fixture in the local horse industry for seven decades. She's taught countless kids to ride, compete, and be confident around horses. Her name is Joanne Galbraith, and she runs a horse trailer sales business, a horse hotel, and her end-of-the-road ranch is the host of the Kern County Riders Ranch Versatility Shows. She has a fascinating life with horses, and I thought she'd make an excellent guest. Welcome to the show, Joanne. Hello, John. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Where did you get your start in horses? Was that here in Bakersfield? In Bakersfield. I was born and raised right here in Bakersfield. When was the first time you were on a horse? I think I was around four. We moved from the city out in the country. And, well, it wasn't out in the country. It's off of Eucalyptus at the time, but there was open air. The closest neighbor was about an eighth of a mile, and there was four houses on the whole road. <laughs> and everybody says, oh, wow, you are so far out. Well, now it's in the city. <laughs> anyway, my dad was in World War II, and my mother and dad and my grandfather, a man that was my dad's partner, I call Fred, was my my only grandfather I was raised with. And they bought a place out there by Foothill High School. We lived out there till I got married. And then I moved around a little bit, ended up back there. And then Dad bought a cattle way out on Hermosa Road. When you were a kid, were you riding horses? I was riding at four, about four years old. Did your dad have, what was your dad doing, or how did you come about riding horses way back when you were a youngster? He got out of World War II. He uh, came back, and he went to work for the health department of the county, and he had a dog truck, and he was a dog catcher. He says, we're not, I'm not a dog catcher. I take, I'm taking care of animals, and I says, fine. So one day, we were little kids. All we wanted to do, when do we get our animals? When do we get our horses? When do we? And we were little. They called out on a call, and he brought in a donkey that was older than dirt. <laughs> and this donkey, they couldn't keep him, and they were going to put him to sleep. Dad brought him home. <laughs> and there was my sister and I and the two neighbor kids down the road around the corner on Park Drive. Their name were Abernathy's. They had nine kids. But Joe and Mo were my sisters and I friends. We were all about the same age. We ran up and down the road, back and forth. Dad brought the donkey home and all four of us. It took us a quarter mile down to the corner. One road, one pushed, <laughs> and one pulled. And my mother would call at lunchtime. This started about eight o'clock in the morning. And she'd call, lunch! So we just got off the donkey, left the donkey standing there. We ran home, all four of us, because if we ate at our house, Joe and Mo ate at our house. When Abernathy's called, we ate at their house, wherever we were closest. <laughs> After we had lunch, we went out there, and the donkey's still standing in the same place where we left it. <laughs> so we went back, and we got on the donkey. <laughs> and we pulled it all the way down to the corner and pushed, and one kicked. Then we turned it around, and it took us home. Oh, boy, we went home fast. <laughs> and all four, we were riding from about four or five years old, and then Dad bought ponies. 
a lot of Shetland ponies were all over. All of them were mean. All of them were unbroke. <laughs> they weren't halter broke. And Dad would bring a bunch of ponies home for us to ride. And pretty soon we'd get them all broke, come home from school one day. No ponies. Well, where's our ponies? Dad says, well, those kids didn't have one, and we thought we'd give it to, the, to those kids. And then he went and got us some more ponies. <laughs> so we get bucked off of them. My dad was raised, was born in Spokane and raised in Canada, and he drove team horses. They had farming up there. So he had horses, and he taught us how to ride, told us what we needed to do. <laughs> so and you became pony breakers. <laughs> so we, were pony, we broke ponies. Later on, it took a long time to find out my dad was just trading ponies. He brought them home. We broke them, got bucked off, got run over, got dragged. Dad says, get up, get back on. So we got up, got back on, and we learned to ride. And then you moved out here. Did your dad go into the cattle business out here at the dad, end? Dad went in the cattle business uh, probably in the 50s, and he had we had cattle on that place over there where we lived, and we had horses. Uh-huh. We gradually went from small ponies to horses. We rode them for a while, and then Dad bought a place out there on uh, Hermosa. He had cattle up at the, like, from the Labette, uh, from Tijon all the way over to Gorman. Uh-huh. And we used to take care of cattle, and Dad gave me a third of an acre off the main ranch here so that I could, the kids and I could have a place to stay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dad had free help. <laughs> kids and wife worked on the place. Dad needed help. We got on horses, broke or unbroke, it didn't matter, and we rode. And Dad would help us. I went to trick riding at 10, and my dad put me on horses, and he was teaching me groundwork. So the horse ran alongside the road. Well, I was on the bank, so the horse was on the high side. I'm on the low side. Well, when I went to hit the ground, guess what? The ground was farther down than the horse was. (laughs) Off I went. Dad says, get up, get on, let's do it again. So I learned to do groundwork, and then t- I got my big horse, which Dad had bought, traded for. Dad was trading and working the dog truck, and he was a health inspector for the state for nursing homes and hospitals. My mother was a nurse, and my mother didn't ride. My mother rode once. When we were kids, Dad took Mother for a ride on the horse. They went outside. They saddled the old horse that was given to us kids, you pull her head down, put your arms across the neck, and the horse would throw up a head, and you'd slide on him. You ha- then you could get on, and you didn't have a fence or nothing. So Dad and Mom went for a ride. They rode less than a quarter of a mile, and Mom says, oh, no. <laughs> she came, brought, Dad brought her back. She was sore for a week. We were on our horses, and off we were going. <laughs> mother would <laughs> Mother would work at the hospital. She worked nights so that she'd be home during the day. And she says, I want you kids to do the dishes. Okay, Mom. I can remember this so clear. She'd go lay down. We headed for the back door. Did not say a word. My grandfather caught us at the gate as uh, going out the back door. What'd your mother say? We just looked at him. He says, now do what you're told. No argument. Turn around. He stood there and he watched that we did our dishes. 
that we got on our horses. We found about a bunch of the kids. Edison Highway was the same 58 route that they made into the main highway across there. Mother says, don't ride across the road. You stay off it. That's a busy highway. So across the highway was a little bar, and they had um, sliders. I don't remember what the game was, but anyway, shuffleboard. Shuffleboard, yeah. Shuffleboard. And we played that. We bought a nickel Coke. We played out the shuffleboard, <laughs> and then we'd tie our horses up. And then the neighbor kids came from Rex, uh, from um, Fairfax. They were called the Fairfax Roughnecks. <laughs> Mother says, you stay away from those kids. They are mean kids. Well, we got with the stories. The Story family had three kids that rode with Terrytown was one of them. Scotty was one of them. I can't remember the third one. But she had 22 kids and raised them on Red Bank Road. And that neighborhood had horses, so they came our way. We rode from over on Eucalyptus and Morning Drive all the way over to Sam Lim Ballpark so we could have a Gymkhana and a play day. Wow. Now, how far do you think that was? It was about 10 miles at the time. We had ride across the foothills. Columbus was not a road at that time. Down that road, down Hackentack was right on 34th Street and uh, Chester at the time. Not over at Rancho Rio where it is now. And a lot of us old people always say Hackentack instead of Rancho Rio. (laughs) Sheriff's Posse, Thompson Beer had the property and build it up for the horse people. But we rode over there horseback and then we were the rich kids in the neighborhood. Dad bought a horse trailer, single oxen, (laughs) open top trailer, (laughs) and a ramp that took five people to get the ramp lifted up so it gets shut because mother couldn't shut it. She learned to haul a trailer, haul us to Jim Canna and the other kids had to ride from Fairfax all the way over there, and they says, well, this is not fair. We can't beat you kids because you got a horse trailer, and your horses are fresh. And we rode horseback over to Sam Lim. Then we rode Jim Ken over there. Then we would ride home. And we <laughs> had some day. kids out in, in Rosedale on Nord Road, Danny Nord, in the mischief all the time. He's no longer here. It wasn't dull. He brought part of the kids out to Fairfax from Rosedale out to Sam Lim, and we rode there. Slam Lynn at the time was at the old fairgrounds. And the old fairgrounds, I rode in the rodeos when they had them out there, and we rode at the fair, at the horse show out at the fairgrounds years ago. I've got pictures where I won the barrel race, and I got a picture somewhere that Walter Kane, that owned the Californian, gave me a picture of a trophy. And he's handing it to me, and my horse is getting ready to jump in the air, and he's getting ready to run the opposite <laughs> direction. We never knew that we, horses didn't buck. We knew because they all bucked. They all kicked. We got bucked off, and it was always the same word, get up and get on. Don't you dare cry. <laughs> Don't you dare cry. And that so that brings up a good point because you spent some time working in feedlot around men. How was... Yeah, I worked up... Uh, it was Center's auction years ago. It's now Formosa, Western Stockman's Market. It's up at uh, 46 and 99. I worked there for 30 years off and on. And I worked at the feedlot, the F&Y feedlot. Walt Fisher was the man that owned it. And one day we had to pick up cattle. There was only two of us, Walt Fisher. Abel was out there, I believe. 
and they were sorting cattle out around the corner, and I was working gates, and I had to open a left gate on one side of the alley and the right gate, so I was full. And he yells, stop that cow, here it comes. And I, all of a sudden, this steer comes wide open around the corner, and I says, oh, up the fence I went. And then I cussed both of them out. <laughs> and uh, Abel told Dale, she can't stop that cow. He says, I know it, but it's fun when she has to chase that, get up the fence. <laughs> and should we interject, this is Dale, your Dale husband. was my husband, yes. <laughs> we were married 40 years. If it wasn't him pulling a dirty trick on me, it was me pulling one on him. He was raised in a ranch in South Dakota. They were 26 miles from town. His mother and dad burned up at a fire when he was a baby. His dad came and in the fire and got him out, threw him in a snowbank, and went back in to get his aunt and his mother, and the staircase collapsed and he lost them. They were 26 miles out of town. The fire department was too late getting there, but they found him. Dale moved from one aunt and uncle to another aunt and uncle to his grandmother, and so he was an only child, living where, he says, living wherever I could get food. <laughs> they did the same thing as my dad to him, put him on the horse. Neighbors got a horse, can't road, need to get broke. Put that kid on. Dale was doing the same thing I was doing, riding horses from the neighbors, riding horses all over the place. So he was raised on a cattle ranch back in South Dakota. And years later, he moved to California where there was no snow. He got working <laughs> Five below zero, he was working building houses. Goodness. He says, that's it. I'm going where the sun shines. <laughs> so he moved to California, and I met him for the Junior Rodeo Association. He had three kids, and I had my four that was riding. I had five kids. One didn't like that. He got bucked off the ponies, and he says, I'm not riding again. <laughs> so he got tired. I was doing the same thing my dad was. I was putting them on the ponies, breaking the ponies, and selling the ponies. <laughs> And we went to horses, and Belinda is my youngest, and my youngest boy fought to ride the horses. Anything the buck they liked. I rode horses and trained horses for other people at $50 a month, and if it bucked, then I rode it. Back to Dale, he went back, and he worked. F&Y Cattle Company moved me over to Grony's Feedlot over on Hoskins, and we picked up about 100 150 head of cattle, Coriandis, off of Panama Lane and the sewer farm. And we had to drive them down Cottonwood to Hoskins and then over there. And when I got the cattle drove over there, oh, that was a fun. <laughs> Anna Rippey, which her mother and I were very close friends for 30 years. She was a heck of a good roper. Her and Dale both roped. And a couple of the cows went into the cotton field along because some dogs barked out of the house. We stopped all the traffic. We had cattle build up on Cottonwood Road in Panama, so that helped turn them when the, and they got out in the cotton field. Luckily, we had fences on part of the way going down the road because the cattle wanted to split all the time. One went after Anna, and she's trying to rope it to get it back into the herd, and it was saying, I'm not going. <laughs> Dale come and both of them roped the cow and drug it back into the herd. And we drove the cattle down to the feedlot at Garoni's. They had about 10,000 head of cattle and about 11 cowboys. And Walt says to me, well, this is where you're going to be working from now on. And I'm like, uh, what about the other feedlot? Oh, no, it's over here. 
So I was moved, and I worked under Groney's feedlot for about three or four years. What was that like? Well, it wasn't. The men didn't want to take orders from a woman. We had eleven cowboys there, and when I first went there, Joe introduced me to the men, the cowboys, and says, "This is where you're going to be working." And he told the men that I would be, they'd be taking orders off of me. And they were all Mexican cowboys, good, some pretty good hands in the bunch. The one, Louis, that spoke good English, there's a calf loose in the alley. He says, rope it. I'm a lousy roper. <laughs> Just absolutely aroused. I can catch with a rope. Anyway, I went down there, and I missed the calf. And he has the McGay. He takes that rope down, a 100-foot rawhide rope, and it floats in the air about 20, 30 feet straight in the air and goes flip right around the calf's neck. And I was right there when the rope started to tighten. I'd throw the calf down. And we took the rope off and drove the calf in. And their comment was, she'll do. <laughs> she'll do. <laughs> and when good. I wanted anything done, I had to talk to Lewis to talk to the cowboys because I'd say, we need to take that calf out and mucho Milo. Calf sick. No, Milo, no, Milo. They'd wait till the calves were really sick before they'd take them out. So Lewis would come in, and he'd give the orders to get the cattle out, and then we'd get the cattle out. Then we drove the big truck over to the sewer farm. We had cattle over there. I could rope those sick calves there because I'd just ease up on a calf and throw a loop around it. But it wasn't roping. It was catching. (laughs) So was this around the 1960s or 70s? No, it's in the 70s. In the 70s? It's the late 70s. Okay. Uh, just before we, Dale and I got married, but I'd known him because of the junior rodeo. My kids rode junior rodeo, and his kids junior rode junior rodeo. I pulled my kids to the rodeo, junior rodeo, and he hauled his kids <laughs> back, and we knew him from there. And were you teaching other kids at this I time? Had, at the time, I had... Ten juniors and ten seniors in the middle 70s with my kids were young that I was giving lessons. I had barrel raced years ago at Pro Rodeo when I was trick riding in the early 50s and 40s. My dad took me to a lot of those when I was a kid. Now, excuse me for asking this, but what was the market value of trick riding? I got paid. You did? for Yeah. And how did did you get paid for it? You were the entertainment. Well, for all the times. I... Grant Geisdales was in charge of Glenville, and I trick rode there. Andy Arrighi, Cuff Burroughs, and were the two main contractors there. And I worked for for both of them and trick rode at different rodeos. With con- my dad got the contracts for us, and I trick rode. I was one of the youngest trick riders. <laughs> what kind of tricks would you do? I got so I my bigger horse I couldn't reach the ground. He was sixteen hands, so. I stood on in the back, it's called a hippodrome, and the one-foot stand, and the layaway, and the fender drag, and a lot of little ones, they would only allow three, and they'd want three runs, and then I trick rode with with adult trick riders. Edith Happy was the, one of the contractors for, and she trick rode, and they used to have the axe all the time, and years ago, I met Slim Pickens, and he was in the movies at the time, and my big horse... We ran straightaways wide open. We had no circles like they do nowadays. And when you turned around, that horse was loose, and you're going off the side. You do not have the reins. You turn that horse loose, and they all run 
and you do your trick, and you have a catcher at the other end. <laughs> and so the other trick writers were good. There was a lot of Dick Griffith was a he made saddles named after him for its saddles, and he was a trick writer, and and he was a stuntman. And I met Ben Johnson. He was Roper. I met him when I was trick riding at Glenville. Excuse me, at Johnsondale. And Ben Johnson had the prettiest horses. Oh, they were so pretty. I never knew he was a movie star. All I could think of was, oh, man, look at that beautiful horse. I was into horses then, too. Yeah. So we, yeah, and we could talk about all kinds of different things. You were buying and selling horses and moving and working for different places. Do you have one favorite horse in your lifetime? Did you have that one magical-type horse? When Dad and Mom moved to Williams, California, we went up there with horses. We were still little kids at the time. And Dad bought a horse. He was guaranteed that he was a man's saddle horse and he'd buck you off. Dad traded a Boston Terrier bulldog that my mother raised, a refrigerator, and $125 for this horse. And I wanted to ride the horse. Dad says no. So we went, we rode out in the country. I rode to Obey out in the country. My sister rode Doc. We went to a potluck and dinner, and I kept, I want to ride, I want to ride. Well, I rode bareback. Dad says, you're not riding. I'm not riding your horse, and I'm trading you horses. You'll have to ride bareback. So Dad changed the saddle. He put his saddle on Babe, and I got on Dude. And he pranced and danced a little bit. Not too bad. And we were riding home, and it was late at night. I fell asleep on my horse. My <laughs> horse fell asleep. And that was the first good horse I had. I trick rode on him. I rode English on him. I Jim Cannon on him. Dad worked cattle on him. We did everything on him. We owned him 21 years. And uh, he bit my brother. He bit me in the belly from petting another horse. I, <laughs> he wouldn't come when I called him. So he bit me in the stomach. Dad takes us to a lot of people that we knew horses and would give us hints. Don Dodge was one of the trainers that was outstanding at the time. Yeah, sure Dad was. took us to him. And there was a couple more. I can't remember all of them. Do you have any stories about the worst, meanest horse that you ever had to deal with? That was the one I rode. That's the one my dad's horse. He bit me. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, when I got married, I still had him. And I ran Jim Canna in him. He fell with me when one time coming home from Jim Canna riding from Sam Lynn. He dislocated my shoulder, and the kids helped me back on my horse. And we rode all the way home, and they finally got to a phone. They could borrow a phone. And my dad came up there and met us up on Nile Street, coming off of Nile Street at uh, Brentwood. And he says, oh, you made it this far. You can ride the way home. And my arm was hanging out of the socket down to the sides, all the kids there. When I got home, my mother put it back in place. <laughs> but that horse... I did everything on him. I taught him to rear up, like all kids. <laughs> I taught him to bow. I taught him to say yes or no. And I taught him when I poke him in the shoulder just right, he'd buck whoever was right. <laughs> and I didn't want them to ride my horse, which is usually my sister. Got my dad whipped, bucked off, and I got a whipping for that. <laughs> but he was kind of my favorite horse at the time because I could do everything on him. Dad took me when I was trick riding. And I, I rode the rodeos, I rode steer riding. I was uh, one of the girls that rode steer riding. 
with, and then I would run barrels by changing bridle, bridles on my trick riding horse and run barrels at the time. And they just, just threw them out in the arena. They didn't have any real pattern for them. And I'd ride him, and he'd do, he did everything. And then when I got married and had kids, my oldest son, Curtis, got around the horse. I took the baby out there, and then nine horses in the pasture. I took the baby out there. Tim, my mother says, get that baby away from him. Don't you dare take that baby there. Mother, he's got to see the baby. This is going to be his. When I was pregnant, I rode him. I trick rode it seven months along. Oh, I took the, I just turned, undid the snap, tipped the jeans and tipped him back, and trick rode. Then I took the baby out to him, and I showed him the baby, and he took the covers off the baby, and I told him, this is yours. And he put his ears back, gave me a sour face, smelled the baby up. Mother says, don't, he'll bite, the, he'll kill a baby, he'll kill a baby. Then he looked up and rolled his lip up and just <laughs> dropped his ears and looked disgusted and walked away. <laughs> and then when my daughter was born, I took her out there. And I had was living behind my mother at the time, my dad. He undid the covers and looked at her and went, <laughs> also, he hated the baby. And when they got a little bigger, I put the kids, I tied a little rope around his neck. My mother had a circular driveway out there and put him on the horse and then put him and his sister, which he was two when he was three, four, and gave him the rope, nothing on him. And I says to the horse, don't go out of the road, stay in the yard. And then I go and clean house. <laughs> and he would walk around with those kids and babysit those kids. And then he'd go to my mother's house and hit the side of the kitchen wall and go, ha, 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 ha. And she'd come out, oh, you poor baby. And she'd take the kids off, and he'd start walking back to the corral really happy. And I says, no, you don't, mother. He's babysitting. And I put the kids back on. And Bubbles, that was her first horse. And she'd walk underneath him in the pen of nine horses. He never let a kid, never another horse near that kid. I caught her standing out in the pen, brushing his belly, holding her hands over his face, brushing his belly. And he'd just stand there and enjoy every bit of it. But the, once they were his kids, not another horse would hurt hurt those kids. Wow. I graduated into nice horses later on and got some good barrel racing horses. And you still ride Jim Canna today, right? Yeah, I like it because it shows us something to do. And I like the fun of the games and I like the fun of the people. Can I ask how old you are? I'm 82. So what's the secret to riding so long? Just get up and go do it. Don't, Don't stop. stop. <laughs> Don't stop. I'm slow right now. I kind of tip over a little to the left and tip a little bit to the right when I'm walking. And I figure I get on my horse, he's going to walk like a drunk because he's going to catch me left and he's going to catch me right. And I've got a good horse now. I bought him in Texas for a customer when I went back to visit my sister. And he's a huge horse, and he you're has, a he's fairly hands. short gal. <laughs> I'm 5'2". That's Ricky. That's Ricky. Yeah. And I saddle him like my kids' horses. I hit him on the side, and I shove the saddle up. <laughs> and I says, don't move. He likes the Gymkhana. He likes the trail courses we go on. Dale roped on him. Dale worked cattle on him, too. I worked cattle on him at the feedlot and at the sale yard. And he was, an, he's, I think, 11 or 12 now. I'm not sure. Maybe 13. When I bought him, he was only 15 hands. 
and he just kept growing. Of course, he was two. He's kicked up once with me. He's never bucked with me. He opens and shuts gates. And you can talk to him, and he comes when you call him, and he always whinnies. He's one of my good horses, too. But I had Hot Rod along the way, and he was absolutely a fantastic horse. He was half quarter horse and half standard bred, and he had gates nobody invented yet. <laughs> but, man, when he run barrels, he could put his nose in the end barrel and spin around, any of those barrels and spin around and go on. And he could out-trot most horses because he's half standard bred. Yeah. All my kids rode all my horses, and as... My kids grew into horses. I lost my barrel horses, my good horses <laughs> to my kids because that's when junior rodeos. And they were hard to beat that horse. My kid, girls, Bubbles, rode him. And she did real good. And Dickie says, well, Mom, I need to rope horse. And I says, he doesn't rope, but go ahead. <laughs> he, ran, he took him in the box, came out, roped a calf on him for breakaway, and started using him ever since. The girls rode him. We, we, you tell him what you want to do. I got him. He was broke to ride. He was soured from Jim Canna. You couldn't get him out of my driveway. Him and I had an argument. <laughs> and I finally won. And all I had to do anymore was raise the ramel. And he says, I'll whip you. That was the key word. <laughs> and he would go out the driveway. He ran away with my kids. He bucked with my kids. They didn't care. They thought it was fun. <laughs> they Were won you? about everything they did on him. I don't mind a bucking horse. I do now. I don't want one. <laughs> I don't want to land anymore. Because we don't bounce so good anymore. <laughs> I don't bend at all. Well, Joanne, you've got some really great stories. In every show, I like to ask my guests, what do you think is the most important thing in building a good horse? My dad taught us good horsemanship. They taught, he taught us how to sit on the saddle, how to hold the reins, how to put your feet where you're supposed to. The sad part about Jim Canna, and I do mean this, a lot of people just got their horse, they don't know left to right, and they don't know forward and stop, and they don't know how to ride. They're all over their horse. And it takes a long while till you get your balance. But if you get a horse, if you learn horsemanship, you learn how to sit on a horse and handle a horse, you can do just about anything you want to. Without the horsemanship, mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You need that. And I, when I had the junior rodeo kids, I taught them all horsemanship. And they were pretty much unbeatable when we went to a lot, we got a lot of outside kids because they were good riders. Dale taught his kids pretty much good horsemanship. You just have to learn to slow down and you'll speed up. <laughs> and your hands, your legs, your seat, your voice are all part of the training that you do on your horse to get that course to re respond. It was stuff we'd learned when, when we were kids that Dad took us time to tell us. My dad was a good horseman. He belonged to the Sheriff's Posse. He's, he belonged first to the American Legion Rough Riders and then joined the Sheriff's Posse. He was around horses all of his life. He taught us what we need to do, how to break our ponies, what we're doing. We, he just didn't turn us loose. He, he showed us he guided what we you. To, and yeah. showed us where we need to All go, right. and we learned. My dad was good to us. Yeah. Oh, when we had cattle. Oh, jeez. Out in the back part of the pasture, Dad put a water tank for the cattle. Now, this water tank was four and a half feet deep and over 10, 12 foot around, and I said, Dad, the cattle can't reach the water in the bottom of that water trough. He says, well, you keep it full. 
And then he turned around to all my kids and says, and stay out of the water trough. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that that was like the a perfect you know, swimming hole. <laughs> I swear he didn't put it out there for the cattle. <laughs> and they'd watch when they, about a mile and a half down the road, they could see the Weed Patch Highway. And they'd see Dad coming to the, out in the country again from one place to the other. My mother and Dad stayed out eucalyptus till pretty much my mother died. But the kids would see him coming. Here they come, fast as they could to the house, and take the water hose and make it look like they were out there playing in the water. <laughs> you raised some smart kids. And <laughs> it, it was it's just funny to watch all this stuff go along. Uh-huh. It was never dull out here. Mother raised goats, sold goat's milk, because when I was little, I couldn't drink milk, so I raised, they raised me uh, and my sister on goat's milk. So we had a milking, and we milked goats. And then I had goats out here. My kids had milking goats. So Curtis had one named Mary. Oh, that was so funny. And we had uh, the Sonnen goats, which are the white goats with the short ears. And we had milk. And he would be milking his goat, and his head would call into her flank, and he'd be milking, and he'd go to sleep. She'd turn around, (laughs) chew on his hair, and wake him up. He'd milk a little longer. (laughs) And then... The kids had steers for the fairs. Mm-hmm. Dad registered pulled Horfords, and so my kids had steers that were out of Dad's good cows, and they had 4-H champion steers and FFH champion steers, and then my daughter got an Angus. My dad was so <laughs> upset. She got an Angus. She wanted something different. Well, Curtis beat her at the fair anyway, but because uh, he took Grandpa's horse uh, cattle. And that Angus steer drug her on this place. They tied it to the back of the tractor. They went to school, got the tractor from Arvin High when that's where they were going, (laughs) drove it home. The ag teacher let them take the tractor home because all my kids could drive. Tied the steer to the back to the tractor and taught it to lead because they didn't have them broke to lead when they got them. And it drug her up and down the reservoir we had over at the corner. And she says, well, Mom, I've got to go to the 4-H out of town. She was going to either 4-H or FFA, big state meeting. Would you exercise my steer? Oh, no, 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 no. Your father's going to have to exercise your steer. He drug, and she rode him on a, she rode on a skateboard. Bubbles rode on a skateboard, and the steer dragged her down the road, down the middle of the road all the time. Sounds like an amazing childhood. And so it wasn't dull. My horseshoer no. came by looking when we got out in the country to find out where we lived, and he was having trouble finding us, and he looked up, and he says, one's riding a horse, one's riding a pony, one's riding a cow, one's riding a billy goat. One's riding a bicycle, hanging on to the tail of a horse. He says, "I knew I found your place." So, we lived. I've lived here 53 years. My kids were all pretty much raised here, and they were into as much mischief as we were. My kids had time out out here, and we were not much at watching television unless their work was done. And all my kids drove tractors, drove the trucks from the time they were seven, eight years old, collecting each a pedal. The back property, we had an alfalfa, either that and pasture, one of the two. But they picked up hay bales, they drove the tractor, they drove everything. Wow. wow. And my girls didn't get to drive tractor because they were too small till they were about 10 years old. And they drove the tractor, they drive everything. I've got all my boys can clean house, all my boys <laughs> can cook. 
My girls can roof and do welding and build fences outside, too. It didn't matter what the job was. Everybody was a team, and everybody worked. And when Dad says this needs to be done, not tomorrow, <laughs> not an hour from now, it was now. Wow. I'm sure we've only, <laughs> only tapped a few of the stories, of the thousands of stories that you could tell. Oh. We really appreciate you uh, coming out and sharing your, your life with horses. I hope we can do it again. Uh, Thanks so much, Joanne. Yeah, that, you're fun, welcome. That'll do it for this episode. We went a little longer than usual, but Joanne is so much fun to talk to. She's one of those people you meet, and it feels like you've known her all your life. She'll tease you, yell at you when you're doing something wrong, and cheer you on even when you're competing against her. Yeah, I'm nostalgic for the simpler time she grew up in. No COVID, less divisiveness, and a time when you manufactured your own entertainment. That's why she's such an inspiration at age 82. You know, one of my regrets is that I never interviewed her husband, Dale. In 2015, when I was training my horse Scratch for a Mustang makeover type event, I didn't know Joanne very well, had never met Dale, but I needed an arena to work my horse. Come on by anytime, John, was all she said. I was 80 days into the 100 days of training and the competition was coming up fast. Scratch was and is the only horse I've ever started. I was in over my head. As time got short, the pressure went up. Anyone who has ever worked at horse training knows the insecurities and fears that go along with it. One day, I was working Scratch and Dale came by and asked if he could watch. Well, yeah, I said. I'm using your arena. He just smiled. Dale sat in the shade, watched me work Scratch in the round pen, then in the arena. Looking for a little advice, afterward, I asked if he had any suggestions. Son, you're doing a good job. Keep it up and you'll be fine. The following month, at the end of the first day of competition, I was leaving the arena and saw Dale walk into the parking lot. Great to see you, I said. The competition was an hour's drive from Dale's ranch. I didn't expect to see you here. Well, I had to come by and see how you did. That's a tough deal working a horse in front of a crowd. You did good. I saw him a couple of times after the competition. Dale had some really good ranching stories. I wish you could have heard some of them. I'm glad I got Joanne on tape. If you need a horse trailer and you're near Bakersfield, check her out. If you're passing through town and you need a place to overnight your horses, she has room for you. I'll have all the links for Joanne in the show notes at woepodcast.com. If you have a story you'd like to share or a suggestion for a guest, send an email to john at woepodcast.com. Thanks again for listening and sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.